G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Most of us, well, we're not thrill seekers. Most of us don't go bungee jumping or parachuting or or rocketing around a racetrack at 150 miles an hour. And so most of us, well, you know, we like things to be safe and predictable. Yep, safe and predictable is good. I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're going to open God's Word together and take a look at how your comfort zone may well be holding you back from His call on your life. I have to tell you, I have more urgent things crowding in on me every day than I'd like to think about. You may have been joining me here on the program for a while and you think to yourself, you know, that guy on the radio, he he has a good life. He just has to sit down for 10 minutes every day and chat with me and and that's pretty much it. (laughs) I, I wish. But let me tell you, there are more radio messages to be prepared and to be written. I do over 500 of them every year. More booklets to be written, more more TV programs to be shot. I do around 80 of those every year. And then there's the ministry to run. Lots of travel, detailed minutiae in running the office, managing the ministry team in four countries, and on and on it goes. I was sitting at my desk in the office the other day and one person asked me this, so I went to help them. And as soon as I was finished, another one asked me that. Then the next one and the next one. Before I knew it, an hour and a half had gone by. All apparently urgent things. And of course they were. But it's just so easy to end up running around doing things for other people, answering emails, doing this and that and and the other thing. And before you know it, The day's gone. The week's gone. Whoop, it's the first of the month again. And so life just slips by. Days, weeks, months, years, decades slip by. A few months ago, I watched a great German Christmas advertisement. It was about an old man who couldn't seem to get his family to come and spend Christmas with him because they were all too busy doing all the urgent things they had to do in their jobs and with their children. So he sent out a death notice and they all came over And there he was, the Christmas table set, and he said to them, how else was I going to get you all together? The closing caption to the ad was, it's time to come home. Spending time with elderly parents is important. Giving your family the best of your time, it's really important. And living your life for Jesus day after day, every day, is really important. But as you and I both know, there are so many urgent things that crowd out our time. And so we feel guilty about not giving our family time, our children time, our elderly parents time. We feel guilty about the fact that we don't make the time to pray, that we don't seem to have time to open that Bible that's gathering dust somewhere in the cupboard, that we don't have time to, well, to do the important things. A busy young man, a wealthy young man, once confronted Jesus about his priorities. He asked Jesus, what do I have to do to get eternal life? What's the most important thing to do? Let's see how the exchange unfolds. It's quite illuminating when we think of our own situations. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 26. 
Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, Well, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honour your father and your mother also, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And the young man said to him, Look, I've kept all of these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect... Go, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. Now you might be wondering to yourself, how does this story apply to me? Well, the rich young ruler was a busy guy, and he's checking in with Jesus to make sure that he has his priorities right in the middle of all that busyness, because he knows something's not quite right. Don't murder, check. Don't commit adultery. Check. Don't steal. Check. Don't bear false witness. Check. He was okay in each department, but still he knew that something wasn't quite right. Like you, like me. We, we know when things aren't quite right. All the busyness in the world can't wallpaper over the deep feeling inside that, that something's missing. And then Jesus puts his finger right on it. The young man's wealth. Give it all away, says Jesus, then you'll be fine. And with that one thing, the rich young ruler knows that's my problem. That one thing, he's making his wealth more important than loving God, than following Jesus. And he goes away grieving for he had many possessions. What's that one thing in your life that's keeping you from doing the most important thing? And of course, Jesus left out the most important thing in all of that, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is just like it. You should love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and all the prophets. You and I are just so good, so good at coming up with excuses. I'm too busy. You don't realise how hard it is for me. There's this and there's that and there's the other thing. And and before you know it, life has slipped away. The, The time is short, people, seriously short. The days fly by so quickly. And and so how we spend our time comes down to our priorities. Have you found yourself making excuses? Well, I don't have time to visit my ageing mother. I'm, I'm too tired by the time I get to the weekend. I don't have time to read my Bible, to, to go and visit that sick friend, to use my gifts and abilities and resources for God. Excuses, excuses, excuses. So, you're too busy, are you? I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Just as we take this short break, I'd like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would absolutely love to pray for you. Because the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. 
So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could also pray for one or two others and leave them a word or two of encouragement. You can be such a mighty blessing to so many others by supporting them in this way. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So please, let us pray for you and with you and let's just see what God does how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is powerfulprayer.org. All right, let's head back into God's word to see what else he has for us today. It's true, isn't it? We like things to be safe and predictable. I mean, we're happy to get our thrills by watching movies and television shows. You know, the suspense drama. Will the hero live or will he die? Will the heroine survive? Let them take all the risks. We call that entertainment. A bit of nail-biting, edgy-you-see drama. Well, it's good fun. As long as it happens on the screen and not in my life, right? But our lives, my life, your life, we definitely, definitely want that to be safe and predictable. Not boring necessarily. We don't mind being stretched a little bit sometimes. But safe and predictable is good. Let me give you a few examples just so you get my point. Mum and Dad bring a small child into the world. What you love is when, when Bubs has the same sleep patterns every day. That way you can get in sync and get a bit of rest too. But as things happen, sleep patterns change. They get disrupted. And so you walk around bleary-eyed. You were hoping for predictable. But what you got was unpredictable. And before Junior starts walking, you child-proof your home, right? You move all the precious ornaments up high where they can't be reached and damaged. If you have stairs, you buy one of those kiddie gates to put at the top of the stairs so the Junior doesn't fall down. But still, your little darling manages to get in trouble and hurt himself. Two, Two simple examples of how you try and make your world safe and predictable. Now, there's nothing wrong with either of those, but we are programmed to aim for safe and predictable. We like routines. We don't like surprises. We don't like risks. Compare full-time employment to casual employment. Most of us would much rather have a full-time job because why? Yeah, you guessed it. It's safe and predictable. A regular income coming in each and every month. You can plan your budget, your costs, your expenses, and everything is just fine, right? Until you get sick. Until you have two months off work, until your sick leave runs out, which is why so many people these days carry income protection insurance. Now, why am I carrying on about this? Simply to make the point that we arrange our whole lives to create a comfort zone around us. Almost everything we do is designed to make our lives safe and predictable. The problem is, Jesus is anything but safe and predictable. He was wild and untamed. The religious leaders of the day tried to rein him in, but he kept on going out there and breaking the rules, healing people on the Sabbath, hanging around with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, touching lepers, and by and large, upsetting the safe and predictable and lucrative lifestyles of the rich and the famous, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it was this very clash between the unpredictable, unconventional, radical, subversive Jesus 
and the comfort zones of the religious establishment that ultimately got Jesus crucified. This was the very reason they plotted to have him killed. My point being that safe and predictable on the one hand and Jesus on the other are a bit like oil and water. They don't mix. They never have and they never will. Sometimes we read stories in the Bible so often that they just seem mundane, routine. We don't think too much about them anymore. But time and time again, God calls men and women out of their comfort zones to follow him on a risky venture. Here are just a few quick examples. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name to be great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old, and he departed from Haran. And the point is that Abram was really wealthy and very comfortable. He was also 75 years old and childless. And yet God calls him out of this comfortable, out of this safe and predictable existence, where all the buses and the trains ran on time, on a long, arduous journey towards the absolutely impossible. Abram and Sarah were old and childless, yet God promises to make them the parents of a great nation. To Abram's credit, he went just as the Lord had told him. Then there's King Jehoshaphat. A mighty army comes against him. The odds are overwhelming. He is absolutely petrified. But he seeks the Lord, and a prophet is raised up and speaks. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 to 20. The prophet said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed at this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will come up the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley before the wilderness of Jeruel. This battle is not for you to fight. Take your position, stand still, and see the victory of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face on the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Do you notice what God told the king to do? To leave the city, to leave the apparent safety behind the defences that you've built and go out in the open and stand there against this great and mighty army. Get out of your comfort zone and just stand there and wait for God to fight on your behalf. (laughs) Sensational! See, it's so easy to read that story and think to yourself, well, that's great, God did it all. They didn't have to do anything. Well, God did do it all in the end, if you read on. But Jehoshaphat and his army still had to leave their comfort zone and put themselves in absolute mortal danger out in the open. And again, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus. I mean, these young fellows were fishermen, 
Fishing was their business, their living. They got up early every morning, went out and hauled in the catch and sold it at the markets and made a good, solid living out of fishing. Safe and predictable. Now this Jesus comes along, sweeps them all up and calls them to leave their safe, comfortable, predictable lives to follow him. Where? Well, who knows? Do you see a pattern emerging here? They're just three examples, but you see it over and over and over again throughout the Bible. God calling people out of their comfort zones into the risky business of following Jesus. God's mightiest works don't happen in our comfort zones. When God called me out of my nice, safe, predictable, and let me say, rather lucrative IT consulting career into this ministry of Christianity works, the ministry was pretty much dead. No radio programs, no donors, no income. The last one out, turn out the lights. Pretty much terminal, you'd have to say. But that was the call. And the reason I followed is that I didn't want to die wondering. Well, what if I'd followed God's call that day? How would it have turned out? I didn't want to get to the end of my life and look back on a string of missed opportunities. I didn't want to look back on a wasted life. Let me tell you something. Safe and predictable has derailed many a plan that God has had for his people, and it will continue to do so. So when Jesus calls you to what he's calling you to, will you go? I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, then head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands of people already have. And the most common response? Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Okay, let's head straight back into the Word of God. They say that about 12.3% of the population are natural entrepreneurs. Now, I'm sure that if you use different scales and measures that you'd, you'd go up or down by a few percentage points here or there. Nevertheless, I think it's safe to say that less than 20% of us, fewer than one in five, are natural risk takers. People who are prepared to scout out an opportunity and then put it all on the line to have a go and turn that opportunity into a successful venture. That's okay. If we were all entrepreneurs, then it'd be a pretty unstable world in which we live. We need people to front up and host regular jobs and, and deliver a regular paycheck. Otherwise, our economy and our society simply wouldn't function. But have you ever seen an opportunity, a, a possibility, a glimmer of something that just might turn into something and just been too timid to step out? 
It doesn't have to be a business venture. It might be that your church is crying out for someone to help with the kids' ministry or the sound desk or the stall out in the street, and you think to yourself, yeah, I could do that. I think I'd enjoy that, actually. But then for some reason, you just couldn't bring yourself to put up your hand, to step out, to have a go. Well, if you've ever been in that situation, you're not alone. You're not the only one. We've all been there. And if the truth be known, it's taking that first step that stops all too many people from realising what God has planned for them. I remember as a young Christian going to a church in a green, leafy southern suburb of Sydney called Oyster Bay. There was a brochure on the back of the table for a local Bible college, and the moment I picked it up, God stirred something in my heart. I felt him nudging me in that direction. So I took the brochure home, I got all excited, read it cover to cover several times, And then, there it sat on the coffee table for weeks. It's not that I'm an indecisive person, I'm not. But it just seemed ludicrous, crazy, that Bernie, the former army officer, now IT consultant, should go and study at a Bible college. See, it's at this point that things all too often come to a screaming halt, because we're afraid of taking that first step. God's people are in mortal danger, and Esther, the Hebrew, has now become the queen. But one of the king's advisers, Haman, tricks the king into ordering that all Hebrews in his kingdom should be killed. Esther's uncle, Mordecai, who lives out there as a commoner, decides that he has to do something about it. So he goes to see his niece, Queen Esther, and implores her to go and see the king to petition him on behalf of the Hebrew people. Well, that's a good plan, but there's a huge risk. Let's see how it pans out. Esther, chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes into the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther thus, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise up for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night and day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. What an extreme situation. All the Hebrew people's lives are at stake here. All her relatives, the whole Hebrew nation... She's in a position to go and see the king, her husband, to talk about it. But she faces a huge risk. He had done away with his first wife. Would Esther now follow the same fate? She's teetering on the edge, and then Mordecai makes that powerful point, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Maybe God put you there in that position to deal with this very problem. And that's the thing. So often opportunities come disguised as problems, don't they? It was a problem to me that I'd been a Christian for all of five minutes and I felt God calling me to go to Bible college. When I applied and I had to go for an interview, I remember feeling like such an incredible fraud. I mean, I knew nothing. 
Nothing about the Bible. Nothing. And yet it was at Bible college that I came into contact with the Ministry of Christianity Works. It was at Bible college that the next part of God's plan for my life was already waiting. If I hadn't gone, I wouldn't be with you here right now having this chat. See, too many of God's mighty plans go awry because of that crucial point of taking the first step. We're too timid to step out. God put Esther in that place to risk her life for her people in order to preserve the Hebrew nation so that one day all the nations would be blessed as God's son was born in Bethlehem. Get a revelation today. God has plans. He has mighty plans and he calls his people to be ready and waiting like soldiers waiting for the call to the battle. When a military unit receives deployment orders from its government, the men and the women step up, put on their uniform, take their pack and their provisions and their weapon, and they head out into deployments that risk their lives. It's what they've been trained to do. It's what they've been called to do. And so they go. God has made you with a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he prepared beforehand for you to walk into. I'll say it again, God made you with a purpose, with a specific plan in mind. It's a good plan. God is faithful. And when that call comes, as it always does, don't be afraid to take that first step. For maybe it was for a time such as this that he created you. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. Securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.